Father in heaven, we thank you that we can be here at the Michigan Adventist Camp Meeting 2016. Father, we are here because we want to fulfill the gospel commission. We want to see the coming of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we spend this time together today to your name's honor and glory. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Hey, now I want to start out just touching on, <clears throat> this can be a little confusing because some time ago, if you look at page six, you see the evangelism funnel, and some time ago, my brother Jim and I both used this funnel, well, he got into this new funnel interpretation, and so he, we got two funnels going on. He really, I need to talk him in, I was hoping he'd be in here, and I was going to get on him about try, moving this to a bottle, because this is his bottleneck illustration, and he talked about how, you know, up, up here, this is the funnel that funnels people into becoming baptized members of the church. And up here, he talked about, you know, all the different types of things you do initially when you're working with somebody to prepare the, the soil, like we talked about yesterday. But ultimately, they're never going to come into the church until they have Bible studies in some way or another. And I've had people say, oh, I know people came into the church, nobody Bible studied with them. They just watched Pastor Doug on 3AB, and that's right, Pastor Doug Bible studied with them. I mean, the bottom line is somebody studied with them for them to be able to receive those things. So he was pointing out that, you know, this, this funnel, it, the illustration that my brother Jim used is more of a, of a bottleneck where you're restricting the flow, and so you're not getting as much end result here because of the restricted flow. Well, that's not how I'm using this in the, in the manual, so I thought I ought to explain this. When you look at the evangelism funnel on page 6, the concept is this, in terms of the cycle of evangelism, at the top you see soil preparation, okay? What kind of methods can we use to prepare the soil of somebody's heart? What are the things you can do to prepare the soil of somebody's heart, to soften them, to build that friendship with them, that relationship to make them more open to receive the truth? Throw some things, okay? Like what? Meet their needs how? Throw some things out. Okay, buy them groceries. Rake the lawn. Feed them if they're hungry. I'm talking anything that you could do to build a relationship. Babies showing an interest how? The reason this is a hard question to some degree is because there are infinite ways to show friendship to somebody. I mean, you can just, we could go on all day, bake them a loaf of bread, go to a ball game with them, go to their kid's ball game. I mean, you could just go right on down the list. Now, when it comes to sowing, and this is an important distinction, when it comes to sowing, in the parable of the sower, what did Jesus say the seed represented? The Word of God. So, if I'm baking a loaf of bread for my neighbor and taking it to my neighbor, can I say, oh, I'm just sowing seeds with him? Not really. That's not a bad thing. I've told members this sometimes. I've taught classes and people say, oh, whoa, I'll, I'll, okay, I get it. And then they think, well, I'll put a scripture verse inside the loaf of bread, which my wife has done actually before. We've done that kind of thing. But that, it's not necessary that everything be seed sowing, but you need to know the difference. If a farmer goes out and tills a field and then scratches his head and says, man, I don't get it. Nothing's growing out here. We need to plant some seeds. But the fact that he needs to plant seeds doesn't take away from the fact that he also needs to till up the soil. But we need to understand that when it comes to sowing, we're not sowing unless somehow the Word of God is in that part of whatever you're doing. So how would you sow the seed with somebody? Okay, you could have a, you know, some kind of program like a VBS. What else? How would you sow the seed with somebody? Okay, globe track. What else? Okay, have them over for worship. So when you're talking about sowing the seed, the word has to be in it. So let me ask you this question. Are there as many ways to sow the seed as there are to prepare the soil? No. <laughs> no, because the thing is, there are a lot of things you can do to prepare the soil, but the word isn't in it. When you go to sowing the seed, you're limited to some kind of literature, a glow track, a book, inviting them to a spiritual meeting, etc. But... I can add to that, okay, so if I want to sow the seed with my neighbors and I invite them over for family worship, can I do the same thing and just invite them over for our family hanging out and call that sowing the seed? 
No. And so that's where you can, you have, there are more ways to prepare the soil. But you'll see that as you start to come down to making members, the amount of things that you can do to do that narrows. So we're preparing the soil. There's a lot of things you can do there. Sowing the seed, well, we're more limited. Now, cultivation. I want to cultivate the seed, which is the word of God. Tell me how I can cultivate the seed. Okay, personal Bible studies. How else? Evangelistic series. We've, we've just about hit it. There's, there's just a handful of things. So you see that up on top of the funnel, a lot of things people can do to prepare the soil. But when you go to sowing the seed, we narrow it down. When it comes to cultivation, there's a very small, there's a handful of things you can do to cultivate that seed. And then finally, the harvesting of the seed, you're either going to ask personally for a decision, or you're going to have a public campaign where they're asked for a decision and, and called to make a commitment, that kind of thing. Okay. And now, the way that this illustration works in the manual is, it, it, the point that's being made here is similar to what my brother Jim touched on with his bottleneck. Because there are so many ways to prepare the soil, there are a lot of church members that want to prepare the soil. Preparing the soil, for one, is easier. It's not as invasive. It's not as requiring as much self-denial. Going and being nice to my neighbor, there, it's going it's it's to be awful difficult for me to get my neighbor real mad at me because I went and did something nice. But when I cross their beliefs, you know, I'm not worried to go over to my neighbor's house and say, hey, would you mind if I shoveled your driveway, the snow out of your driveway? How dare you? You know, I'm not worried about that happening. But when it comes to me sharing my faith, that, that's where we get a little more nervous. And so what happens is when you have church members, the laity getting involved, and even the ministry in, in, in trying to reach souls, there are a lot more volunteers up on the top of this particular funnel than there are at the bottom. Because, you, there's, there, you know, you get, well, you know, cultivating. Oh, I, I'm not a preacher, and I don't, you know, I can't do an evangelistic series. And I, and I feel awkward about, you know, kind of invading. In fact, I've had church members ask me this before. They're like, Pastor, why? My neighbors are good Baptist people. They're happy being Baptist. Why would I go and disturb their life by sharing the Sabbath with them and put them in all that turmoil and everything else? You know, something the devil has done to us is he's convinced us that the truth is, is a burden instead of a blessing. And that's not to say that my Baptist friend may not have a challenge that they're going to have to wrestle with, but that challenge is going to bring forth an experience that they're going to thank me for over and over. But anyway, I just wanted you to see, if you look back through the manual and look at this funnel, this funnel's a little bit different. And the reason this funnel is different is it's highlighting that we need more volunteers when it comes down to the uh, cultivating and reaping portion, and that's where we have a limit. And, and so it's similar to that, the bottleneck uh, picture there. But I want you to go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9. I'm trying to remember if I was in Matthew or Luke. And you know this verse, but I want you to see it. Matthew 9, verse 37. Matthew 9 and verse 37. The Bible says, then he, that is Jesus, said to his disciples, the harvest truly is what? Plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, we're going to touch on this a little further this week, but I don't want you to miss something that a lot of people have missed when reading this. And let me put it this way. Yesterday, we didn't have lights in here, okay? That's because the lights had been put in but not wired up. Now, let's say that I call, which I did, and I say, hey, I need a, you guys, camp meeting you know, crew, to send over a, 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 an electrician to hook these lights up, or an electrical crew. Now, let's just say that a, a plumbing crew shows up. What, what am I going to say? Oh, fantastic. You guys are right, here, right on time. This is great. I need, is that what I need? No, I, I, not to say, hey, the plumbing crew, great, we need plumbers, but I don't need them here. What do I need? Electrician say, no, 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 the wrong crew. Could you guys send another crew over? So they send over a painting crew. Now what? I'm in the same boat because I need electricians. What does Jesus say he needs here? What kind of laborers? Harvesters. He needs people who know how to harvest. And the Bible, what the Bible's saying is the harvest is plentiful. 
And it's great that we have a lot of church members who want to go out and be friendly and do friendly things and make friends with their neighbors. That's great. But I need harvesters. That's what Jesus is. Can I clip it here? I turned my head, didn't I? I messed him up. Just, uh, I'll, be, I'll gladly clip my mic here, as long as he doesn't give me one of those headset things. I have a hard time with this. So Jesus needs laborers, harvesters, and we're going to talk about that and the distinction of that, but we need, and, and that's where we have a shortage, and that's what Jesus is saying in that passage. Um, I want you to take in your manual now, and I want you to go to page 9. Pastor Cameron's not in here. That's good, because Pastor Cameron always gets on me. This is grammatically and from an English standpoint incorrect. From friend to faith, but I still like it. From friend to faith. This is the challenge. We talked yesterday about this, this preparing the soil, and we could talk about that more. About have, I'll, I'll briefly touch a little bit on the idea of conversations. Some of us make better conversation with people than others. Some of you are more naturally just chat with people. You're just chatty people, and you like to chat with people, and you know how to, for me to tell you, how to strike up a conversation with somebody, you're like, are you kidding me? Others of you are like listening really intently and saying, I need to know how to do this because I'm petrified to talk to people. And there's merit in going over more detail of that type of thing. But the reality is what I find, you know, have, making conversation with people is less difficult to learn how to do just from the standpoint of it's not generally offensive to people to make conversation. The, the sticking point for most people is how do I switch now from my friendship with somebody to spiritual things? And we started to touch on that yesterday, but we were, we were out of time, and so we didn't really... I want to take a little more time with that this morning. Um, if you look in the chapter there, chapter 5, you notice the very first section there talks about the soil being the human heart. We find that in the uh, parable of the sower. Uh, I've got to find my, my place here. Now, we, we touched on some of this. You can read through these things. Um, if you look across the page, letter D asks, where do we look? If I'm looking to cultivate a friendship, what did, what did Jesus say in Acts chapter 1-8? He says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. He says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, does anybody remember, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Does anybody catch what's happening there? Where, where does he start? Home. And then what? It widens out. Does it stop at the borders of home? Does it stop at the borders of family? And the reason I'm asking that is for a lot of people... It's right for us to have a burden for our families, for our loved ones. But here's, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this this morning. We're going to get to it when we talk about understanding conviction better. But there's a lot of, a lot of success in soul winning. I, and I've got to be careful to use that word. And this is what I mean by that. The Lord is going to make him, the Lord makes himself responsible for our works. In fact, one of my favorite statements, and it's in the manual, but I don't, I don't, I'm, it's not right in front of me. It's um, in Desire of Ages. No, no, no. Christ's Object Lessons. Uh, I, I want to say 363. I was going to say 363 or 393. I was getting this there a little bit. So it uh, says, when we give ourselves holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy to Christ, and in our work, follow his directions. He makes himself responsible for the success of our honest endeavors. Christ Object Lessons 363. And, and Ellen White goes on in that statement to say, uh, he would not have us conjecture. I'm sorry, so I missed that. I, mi I mixed that up a little bit because it, it's not our honest endeavors because it goes on to say, uh, he would not have us conjecture as to the success of our honest endeavors. Um, not, not once should we even think of failure. We are to cooperate with one who knows no failure. And that's a powerful statement. So when I say success, there are things that look like failure in our eyes that aren't failure at ours. It's nothing you do for Jesus is going to be a failure because he's going to make that work. 
okay? So when I talk about successes, I'm just saying there are things that we can do that are, you know, God's given us principles that will help us to know how to labor more effectively. And one of the key things is learning to categorize your interests, know where people are spiritually and how open and receptive they are so that you can prioritize your time in the right way. And, and uh, an illustration, Cameron touched on this a little bit, but I want you to imagine that I have uh, two trees here. I have an, an, an apple tree here with shiny, and let's say they're both red delicious trees, okay, because otherwise I get mixed up on it, because I'm going to talk about the other tree having green apples, and you're going to be like, well, it could be golden delicious or something like that. So you get a red delicious tree, two of them. This one here has these bright red, mm, they look so good, apples, and then over here we have a tree with little green apples that sometimes are good because they grew up around apple trees, but they can make you sick if you eat too many of them. Okay, so you've got the tree with the green apples, you've got the tree with the red apples. Now let's just say that you have your heart set on this one green apple. It's just sitting there and you're just like, I want that apple. It's not ready to pick yet, but I want it so bad. And all your attention is focused on that green apple. So you're just going to wait on that green apple. You're going to work on that green apple and you're going to wait for that thing to ripen so you can pick it. What is happening while you're doing that? These are ready to be picked, but you're so myopic and focused on this green apple that you're missing the other opportunities. That's what we often do with our families. Our loved ones are so dear to us that we sometimes let them shut out from us the rest of the world that is without Christ. Now, what would happen if I were to just say, look, that green apple's not ready. I'm going to go over here and pick some apples. Am I neglecting that apple? Am I turning my back on that apple? Am I being insensitive to that apple? No, it's just not ready yet. And if I can discern that, then I can increase my productivity because I can come over here and get some of these apples and I can go back over here. Ooh, look, it's getting a little pink, right? It's starting to ripen. Not ready yet. I'm gonna go over here some more, pick some more apples. Now I don't lose these apples and soon this one will ripen and then I can pick it. And we've got to learn how to work with different classes of people, or see, see where, no, I shouldn't say classes of people, but where people, different interest levels of people, uh, and we're going to talk about that a little further as we go, so that we can, we can maximize our, um, I was going to say success, so I'm looking for effectiveness in soul winning. Not, not neglect, and the reason I, I'm touching on this a little bit is when I talk about focusing your attention on, let's say, a person over here who's making you know, a lot of leaps and bounds and really responding to spiritual things versus a person over here, sometimes I have people say, well, that's mean. I mean, you're just, to that person, you're just going to let that person be lost. No, 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 no. You got to understand that when a person is at a low interest level or a disinterest level, you don't lose ground very fast because you're not making decisions. Anyway, I don't want to get into too much of that now just to say that's going to be a benefit. We're going to talk about that as we go on. But where do we look on the bottom of uh, page 10? Family, friends, co-workers, and neighbors, great. Missing members, number two. Church visitors. I'm going to tell you there are so many people who visit our church. Let me tell you something. that This is a little secret that I'm going to clue you in on. If you become intentional about connecting with church visitors, the Lord will send your church more visitors. I guarantee it. The Lord's in charge of the work. And there's a statement in... Uh, I want to say it's in Councils on Health. I know you want a reference, and I, I'm not helping you out with that. But Ellen White says, The Lord does not now work to bring many souls to the truth because, those of, because of those who have backslidden, and those who have never been converted. Talking about those in the church. In other words, the Lord guards people outside the church from people inside the church. And you might have noticed that sometimes he brings the people into the church who are the bulletproof ones. They're tough. They can withstand it because the Lord knows the church isn't perfect. But he would prefer the church would at least, you know, press on toward the goal and, and seek to be more Christ-like. So what happens is church visitors, I mean, church visitors are great, uh, potential interest to study with. And I've had people say, well, pastor, I don't know, you know, they're visiting from another church. People tell you funny things. People come into my church and I say, oh, hi, it's nice to have you here today. Where are you from? Oh, I go to the 
Mount Pleasant Church. Reality is they haven't been in the Mount Pleasant Church in, in eight years. But that's where their name is registered. So you never know. I'm not talking about trying to steal people from other churches, but if you have a visitor, visit with them. Go up and greet. Say, I'm not, on the, I'm not a greeter. <laughs> you don't have to be a greeter to say hi to somebody in your church, right? Hey, uh, glad to have you here today. My name's, you know, Mark. I'm not, I, you know, where, where are you coming from? And, 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 and ask them, um, get in a conversation. And a lot of times you can get a Bible study right out of that. Well, hey, would you be interested, like my brother Jim said, about this uh, person in Sabbath school? He did that as a Sabbath. You don't have to be a Sabbath school teacher. You don't have to hold a position in your church to do what I just said. But church visitors, uh, church interests, people who come to your different church events. Let's say your church has a supper club. I'm going to tell you something about supper clubs, okay? Supper clubs. Do you know what a supper club is? Maybe you don't know what a supper club is. A supper club is like an ongoing health, uh, uh, healthy cooking outreach or something along those lines, health, health seminars, where typically a church will have it uh, once, once a month or something like that, and they'll invite community people who are interested in health, right? And typically a supper club is tied to healthful cooking. And as a rule, your supper clubs are more women than men who attend. And so especially the male church members, will say, why am I going to waste my time going to a supper club? That's where all the ladies are going to get together and talk about cooking. And we get, we get this mindset like, oh, we're meeting this need for people who have healthy, yeah, in part. But I'm going to tell you what, those church events, those are things the church is doing so that you as a member have a place you can come and find interest. Like you're going to go knock on doors of somebody you never met. Hey, why don't you come to somebody and meet somebody at the supper club? They're coming to your church for something. And it's a great, your church events are a great place to find interest. So that's church interest. It could be a supper club, it could be VBS, it could be anything. You may say, well, I don't even have any kids. I don't help out VBS. It doesn't matter. Show up and meet somebody. That's right. That's right. So all of these types of things, and, uh, you know, I've, I've listed a few of them there, but you can read through that. The next number five, door-to-door in-gathering, literature distribution. That's another way you can find interest. Mailings, social context, somebody you golf with, somebody you fish with, somebody you go to a ball game with, community events, any, all of these. And then, of course, divine appointments, like we heard about last night from uh, Elder Brunster. All of these are good places to find interest. Now, I want you to go to page 11 and look at where it says preparing the soil for reception of the seed. I want you to see the second part there. Uh, no, the very first quote. Following Christ's method. You see that? Now, you're familiar, more than likely you're familiar with this. This is one of the most quoted statements from the pen of Ellen White from Ministry of Healing 143. She says, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. Now, I'm going to erase this. Dr. Philip Simon, who happens to be here uh, teaching a seminar this week, has a fantastic book. (laughs) I'll tell you why I'm laughing in a minute. Christ's Method Alone. Has anybody ever seen this book? Christ's Method of Reaching People. Is that right? Cameron, do you remember? Is that the original title? No, no, no. Christ, yeah. Yeah, he has a few books, and they're similar titles. So, Emmanuel, was that it? Christ's Method of Reaching People? Anyway, something like that. Anyway, Christ's Method Alone is what Ellen White says here. And so, Dr. Saman wrote this book about that. But when it got to our publishing house, they said, you know, Dr. Simon, Christ's method alone sounds so restrictive and narrow, like it's the only way. And so he had to change the title. So when he republished the book recently, boom, Christ's method alone. That's what it says. So anyway, you'll find the book under both titles, but it's a fantastic book. If you don't have Christ's method alone, get that book. And it breaks down the, the different parts of this. But what Dr. Saman, how he breaks it down is into these categories. Um, Socializing, 
sympathizing um, serving I'm trying to I'm trying to I blanked on it for a minute and and I'm going to do this this way okay and you'll see why in a minute and saving he, he breaks those down into these four things Jesus what's the first thing it says he mingled with man he socialized with people and you'll read in the spirit of prophecy it talks about how Jesus met people all over the place he met them at work he met them in their secular activities he met them anywhere he could meet them so that he could make a connection and start to develop this um, relationship with them now sympathizing I like these two go together you can't sympathize with somebody you don't socialize with in other words when you don't, in fact, here's a quote for you. This will be in your reading. You got a reading assignment tonight, okay? Woohoo! Reading assignment is in the book. You may have read this before, but I, 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 I don't know how many times I've assigned this chapter. And it's good to read and reread and reread. It's in the book Education. It's chapter 31, and it's called The Life Work. And it's about the life work of everybody who's a follower of Jesus. Phenomenal chapter. Some, in fact, you read it and you make, oh, I've heard that quote before. I've heard that quote before. It's got these great quotes, and one of them is this one. Um, Acquaintance awakens sympathy, and sympathy is the spring of effective ministry. Okay, you can't sympathize with somebody you don't know. How many times have you met somebody and you begin to talk with them and you were, you start to realize, wow, I, I don't people in your own church. You're like, man, this person's really been through it. I didn't even didn't even have an idea. Has that ever happened to any of you? And your heart starts to do what? You start to go out to them, right? Wow, I didn't even realize. You can't sympathize for, with somebody you don't know. So you socialize as you mingle with people and really mingle with people. Not the, hey, how are you doing today? It's a nice day, isn't it? Nice weather. In fact, I tell people, uh, I mean, it goes for all of us. You know how many people in our churches we don't even know and we go to church with them every week? And you ask them out on Sabbath, hey, how you do, do this? Ask Go up to somebody, this is typical, we say, hey, how are you doing today? And what's somebody going to say? Good, well, fine, something like that. Ask them twice. You'll get a different answer. You know, we say fine because if you're going to ask me how are you doing today, I know you're just asking because you're supposed to ask me. It's a social thing to do. I'm going to tell you fine. I don't want to take up your time. I don't want to waste your time. How are you doing today? Charity, how are you doing today? How are you doing today, Charity? Really? And then you might say, well, and you'll find that with people. They'll say, well, because now you're, oh, you're actually, you're not going to be like, how are you, like if I'm doing this, and this is more how it goes. How are you doing today, Charity? Now she's not, you know, we're passing each other somewhere. I can't, they don't, they just want me to say fine or something like that. And so when you stop and ask again, anyway, the point is, as you get to know people, you begin to sympathize with them. And when you and when you begin to sympathize, the, the, the sympathizing, you're finding out where their needs are. Now what happens? Now I know how to serve you because I've discovered what your needs are. Okay? Now the reason I put saving over here is that all of this is easier to do than this. And not that we save them, of course, you, but you understand Dr. Saman is just trying to breaking down the statement. In Jesus' method, before he went here, he went here. He wanted to let them know he cared about them. But the point is that ultimately, ultimately you always have to go here if you're a disciple of Jesus. And that's where a lot of people don't want to go. This, I can talk through this, and we can spend the whole day on that, and we'd be like, yeah, I feel good about it, and we could probably carry that out. Because, again, you're not going to do much offending of people to try to find out how you can serve them better. But man, to get over here into spiritual things, that's, that's where it gets tough. And I wish I could tell you, I was going to tell you last night, and I told you it would be a lie, to say, hey, look, I've got this silver bullet way that here's the one thing that you, you know, need to know. This, you do this, and it's going to work for you every time. You're going to find your way into, uh, I was talking uh, there are all kinds of ways to share this different method. Now, you were talking, uh, Brother Sutton, about uh, peeling the onion yesterday. That's just for it. 
It's just Mark Finley's way of doing Ford. He's about peeling back the layers of the onion. What are you doing? You're starting on the outside with things people are more likely to talk about easily, like family. And there's another acronym besides FORT. We talked about FORT yesterday. There's SHIRT, S-H-I-R-T. That's self, hobbies, interests, religion, testimony. But the point is, you talk about things that people like to talk about themselves, and usually if you're talking about family, you know, whatever, it's, it's easier. And you're getting toward the center, okay? Um, and uh, I think somebody mentioned to me that, the, uh, well, Phil Hammond had done the new words for witnessing, but it went back to, to uh, Pastor O'Phil, not Richard O'Phil, but his father. And I've heard so many things being in this field that, that oh, do this. Oh, if you do it this way. Oh, if you do it this way. Look, it's all the same. There's no silver bullet to this. There's no, you can do this, and this is going to cut, cut it for you every time. And when it comes down to moving from the, the uh, secular to the spiritual, it's always going to be hard. It's, I, I, I'm going to say 98% of the time it's going to be hard. You don't have those times when somebody comes up and just asks you, what church do you go to? I'm interested in the Bible. You, you know something about the Bible charity? Would you study with me? That kind of thing happens, but it happens rarely. Usually it's you needing to make this transition. And for most of us, it's uncomfortable to do it. I wish I could tell you otherwise. But, there, and I, oh, here's the method. You do this, and it's not going to be uncomfortable. For myself, it's, oh, to move from there is like, okay, now I've got to go into the, somehow, at some point, you go here. And I'll tell you something else. I've had people say, oh, well, you got to be careful sharing things. You've got to really build a relationship with somebody first, which is good. But for some people, that means you've got to know a person 10 years before you ever share Christ with them. Now, let me ask you this question. How long does it take to build a relationship with somebody? Enough of a relationship to share spiritual things. There's no one answer, is there? There's no one answer. The Holy Spirit is always working on people. It varies. Uh, I like to bring up the, the, the story of the woman at the well, Jacob's well, because Jesus built a relationship with that woman at the well. But all in that course of time, he built a relationship with her and then shared the gospel with her right there. Boom. And so you don't need a lifetime to build a relationship. Some people take longer than others. A lot of times there's a duration of building a relationship, not because the person needed it, but because we were so scared to do anything different. Pastor Tom Hubbard uh, just got ordained here and worked with us at Emmanuel Institute and, and off and on still does some things uh, for us. But, but Pastor Hubbard, is uh, uh, he was, um, when he came through Emmanuel program initially, got involved in the ministry, there was this neighbor friend that he, he knew for years. I want to say it was like 10 years or something. And finally, he felt like, man, I just got to, I got to get into, I got to, I've got to get into spiritual things with him. And, and the approach he took was, they, they were started to talk about what was happening in the world. And, and Tom thought, wow, this is a great opportunity. And so he took that opportunity. Wow, look at the crazy things going on. You know, this is what Bible prophecy talks about. And he says, when he got into it, he said, this guy just, boom, he responded right away like, I've been waiting for you to bring something like this up for years. And he realized it was his own fear that kept him back. Um, sooner or later, you make the transition. When the farmer goes and sows, uh, when the farmer goes and plant, uh, rototills the ground, gar whether it's you in your garden or a farmer in his field, how long does that farmer till the ground? Until when? What's done? until it's ready for the seed. Don't miss this. The only reason he's tilling the ground is to plant that seed. Farmer doesn't till the ground just to till the ground. I'm tilling the ground again. He's only trying to find that way to plant the seed. And so when you're here, now some people get on this. They say, oh, you, can, you're, you're that, you need to have a, a disinterested benevolence, which is a, is a term Spirit of Prophecy uses, but you, get, you can't, um, how do they say it? When you're trying to build a relationship, I've had people say, you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't just be wanting them in the church. Why not? Why wouldn't I want them in? I mean, that, I want, if I can do all of this here, it's just like Phil Staples, the truck driver, I told you about yesterday. I can do all this here, and the guy can still be lost. 
it was the late Pastor Tony Serigliano used to say, you know, if we do all of these great things that we do over here with the, the preparing the soil, if we do all these things for people and we never share Christ with them, all we're going to have is a bunch of healthy, well-adjusted people in the lake of fire one day. Right? Not that those things aren't good, but there comes a time where the, the farmer has to plant that seed. He's, pl he's tilling the ground because he has a desire to plant that seed. And Ellen White says that when Jesus was talking with that woman at the well, he had an ulterior motive. You read it in Desire of Ages. He loved her soul. He wanted her saved. And so the whole time in the conversation, he was looking for a way, I think she words it this way, to find a way to her heart. And so it should be with us. A desire to share. So how do we make that switch? I want you to look at, um, and you can read. I've got a lot of examples in this particular chapter. We talked a little bit yesterday about uh, testing the soil. And I just want to show you some, uh, uh, some of the things that uh, are outlined here on page 13. Page 13, if you look at letter C, testing the soil. Now let me ask you this, and it's, it's listed out here, so I'm not going to read it yet. Um, how does the farmer know when the soil is ready? Okay, how, how does he know it's warm enough? What's warm enough mean? I think there's a spot right here. Okay, so you hit on it there without... It isn't warm enough that we're looking for. What are we looking for? What is determining the readiness of the soil? What happens to the seed? how the soil receives the seed. When the soil receives the seed the right way, then the soil is ready. Well, how do you know that? In soul winning, how are you going to know when that person's heart is ready? You throw out some test seeds, and that's what we're looking at here, testing the soil. Notice number one. This is on page 13 of section two. Letter C, number one, when Jesus told the parable of the sower, he made a point we can't afford to miss. The success of the harvest was dependent on the type of the soil the seed was planted in. Okay, you know what we put the emphasis on today? The sower. Oh, we're always talking about methods of, oh, let's try some new method of planting the seed. That wasn't the point of the parable. And you know what the problem with that is? When we say, well, you know, I don't know if we maybe didn't do it right. The speaker doesn't, and I hear this a lot, being in an academy, oh, the speaker has to be able to connect with the youth. We put all the emphasis on the human being instead of the Holy Spirit. And, and when we do that, and we do that in the ministry, and say, oh, Elder Booster, he was great. We're going to have people here. They're going to flock over the weekend to hear Doug Batchelor. Now, that's great. I'm glad people like Doug Batchelor. But we have created among us, a mindset that you've got to have this special ability. I mean, I listen to Elder Boonstra. I can't preach like Elder Boonstra. He brings up, the way he brings up stories and illustrations, I'll never do it that way. I'll never do it that way. It's just not me. I won't do it. I'd like to be able to. I mean, he connects with people. But the bottom line is, we do that, and then we say, well, I can't do that. Why bother? Because we put the emphasis on the human being. Jesus when he talks about the parable of the sower, he says nothing about the sower except for that he sowed seed. He doesn't tell us he threw it in this way, this way, this way, scattered it, doesn't. It, it's irrelevant in his parable. What was relevant is the soil. And I'm going to tell you something. When the soil is ready, you'll be surprised how it will take the seed. I mean, I remember in my conversion... <laughs> I wish my brother Jim was in here. We had the, this, there was a preacher, the preacher, we, we went to this preacher to hear this preacher. This guy, he was an old guy. I mean, I was 26 years old. I mean, I was just coming out of MTV and, and Miami Vice and all this business. Here's this old guy with corny jokes, was not dynamic, and I was, I was on the edge of my seat because I was hungry for the word of God. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in, 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 the, in this, this climate that we're in now and think that, well, I just can't say it well enough, do it well enough. The Lord just needs you to do with what you have, and he will bring success. It wasn't the, I'm in the middle of this, this uh, statement here, or sentence, uh, or paragraph. It was not the farmer, the type of seed, or the method of the planting that determined success. If the soil wasn't ready for the seed, there was no lasting harvest. Number two, because we don't know the heart, 
it is impossible for us to determine with absolute certainty when a person is ready for truth. However, there are ways we can test the soil that can help us be relatively sure. Okay, the first one there, letter A, a person may begin opening up, talking more personally, and confiding in you. Those are the ones we like. That's great because you, they're just, uh, you, they're the ones, that they come to you. And you see that there's an interest. And they're asking you, hey, you know, I've, the church you go to, tell me about it. Oh, that's fantastic. But that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a small percentage of the time that that happens. So letter B, you may want to try to, uh, some test seeds by throwing out something spiritual and seeing how they respond. That is how they take the seed. This is very easy to do. Look at the subpoint there. You can either bring up something spiritual. You don't, you're not giving them a Bible study here. All you have to do is say anything spiritual, like I mentioned yesterday, church, prayer meeting, Bible, any word that elicits something spiritual and see what they do with that. If you say, yeah, I was just at church. If they roll their eyes at that, you know they're not ready. Um, people respond one of two basic ways. But notice, uh, let's continue on here. Uh, either bring up something spiritual or respond to something they brought up in a spiritual way. So like Pastor Cameron said, if they're talking about, oh, man, what crazy weather we're having, you can be like, hey, you know, the Bible talks about this. And you can say something like, you know, our pastor just brought something like that up at our prayer meeting this week. Very simple to do. You're not going to offend somebody by doing that. 99% of the time. And if the other 1% is, if, they're, if, if, if somebody gets upset at that, there's a little conviction action going on, and we're talk, we'll talk about that later on. But in most cases, nobody's going to get on you because you brought something up. Oh, yeah, we because you're having a conversation. Yeah, I'm just having a hard time with my teenage daughter. She's such a... She's, uh, sometimes she's such a handful. That's not an illustration, by the way. I'm being honest with you. Um, <laughs> she, actually, my daughter just turned 13, so I think she thought she was a teenager for a long time before that. <laughs> Mrs. Boothby knows a little bit about that. Anyway, she had her as a student. So anyway, um, somebody may something like, say something like that, and you say, you know, our church sometimes they do parenting seminars. I think you'd be maybe interested in that. Nobody's going to get mad at you for bringing that up. They just say something like, uh, yeah, probably not. Or they may say, okay, thanks, or whatever. But you're, what are you doing when you say that, when you say something? What are, you, what are you looking for after you put that out there? What's their response, right? Is there a readiness for the seed, okay? So let's say a person says something about the crazy weather, we're having difficulty with their teenager. Here's some things that you can say. Uh, you know, I was just reading something in the Bible about that. Or... Our pastor was talking about that last week in church or in prayer meeting or something like that. Oh, we brought it up in our small group or whatever. I was just watching this video about that, okay? For example, just reading on down the page, if they comment about the weather, like what crazy weather we're having, you can respond with something like, I know, it reminds me of something I read in the Bible about weather going crazy in the last days. Now, they're going to respond one of two ways, which you'll see there uh, under subpoint three. They'll either say something like, oh, really? What church do you go to? Or something that's open and inter they're interested, or they'll change the subject. Uh, they're, they're either going to engage you on it, or they're going to dismiss you on it, okay? But it's as simple as that. It's not a difficult thing. That helps you to know whether they're ready, okay? Because you can't, again, you can't read the heart. And then what you want to do over time, let's say that they just kind of spurn you, and they're just like, no, I'm not. Fine, you keep your friendship going with them, and you'll throw a test seed in that. You just keep tilling, right? If the soil's not ready, you keep tilling. And then you'll throw the test seeds in later, and soon that soil's going to be ready for the seed. And I'll tell you something. It's not just your tilling that gets it ready for the seed. The Lord gets in heaven gets things ready for the seed. I had a, a house I moved into in uh, Coldwater. I was in Coldwater, Michigan. Had a, our, I used to think when I was... Uh, I did Bible work. I was an electrician before, and I did Bible work for a while. When I was a Bible worker, I used to wish I was a pastor. Man, it would be so easy. But A lot of people don't even know what a Bible worker is. But pastor, people know what a pastor is. And I thought, this would be so easy if I was a pastor. Because you, you always talk about what you do, right? What do you do for a living, Janelle? She'd say, I'm a teacher. And I'd say, she'd say, you know, naturally, she should say what? What do you do for a living? And then I'd say, 
I'm a pastor. And bam, there we are. We're right into spiritual conversation, right? I thought that would be so easy. Not so. People are intimidated by pastors. That shuts down more conversations than anything. I just, I don't even, I don't even tell people I'm a pastor. Because that, I don't, I can't witness as easy when people know I'm a pastor. So, um, huh? Well, I do tell them if they ask what I do. But uh, I, I'm not real. You know, before I thought I'd just throw it out there. Hey, I'm a pastor. No, I'll tell them if they ask. And this is what happened in Coldwater. We move into this neighborhood. People across the street, um, this nice couple, my wife and I just move in, and uh, Jeff and Molly. Well, we, we went over and talked with Jeff and Molly a little bit. The day we were moving in, well, it was one of the days we were moving our stuff in, and they were out in their yard, and so we went over to meet them. And, yeah, what do you do for a living, Jeff? Oh, I drive a truck. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Hmm. Yeah, you know, and then they were polite and everything else, but it was just kind of like, it just felt like this. And from then on, it was Jeff and Molly across the street. How you doing? That's just, uh, they had real, no real interest in getting real close to a pastor. And it, and, and it co further complicates things sometimes when you're not just a pastor, but you're a Seventh-day, oh, what church? Oh, great, you're a pastor. Hey, my brother-in-law's a pastor. What church do you pastor? Seventh-day Adventist church. Oh, hmm. So, you know, you run into interesting things like that. Anyway, that's how it was with Jeff and Molly for a while. But they knew I was a pastor, and I don't want you to miss this. Listen, I, I'll finish up this, this, this section. Wes needs to get started. But the bottom line of making this transition, there are things you can do, throwing the test seeds and whatever. But we are far too afraid to be spiritual. Okay? If you work in a secular job, your coworkers have no problem coming in and telling you the movie they just saw where everybody's guts were blasted out by the hero or the enemy or this and that. And you're giving you all the details you didn't want to know. And they don't care at all about offending you. Why are we so worried about offending them with Christ? There's nothing wrong with being overtly a Christian. And they may not be Christian, they may not like Christians or whatever else, but you want them to know you're a Christian. I'm not talking about preaching at them. But be who you are. Don't be afraid to be who you are as a Christian. Two, uh, two quick stories. i got to remember both of them now. Where's the, I'm, I'm thinking of the second story, and I'm trying to remember the first story. Oh, Jeff and Molly, because I was in Jeff and Molly. So anyway, they knew I was a pastor. Well, Molly got pregnant, and Molly ended up losing her baby. I was out doing visits, and my wife called me, and she said, yeah, she said, Molly came over today. And she lost the baby. She wants to know if you can go by and pray with her. Well, we had no connection before that. But I'm going to tell you, the Lord directs things in people's lives. that You can be praying for somebody. It may be a loved one. It may be somebody you started witness to at work or whatever else. You're getting nowhere with them. And you're wondering what's going on. The Lord has ways of reaching people. And, and, and we need to understand this. God, does not, God is not the author of tragedy. But God allows tragedy if it will save a soul. God's far more interested that a person goes in to heaven saved for eternity through that crippling car accident than be lost with all their functions. Okay? And the Lord will do that for people. And so, um, you know, we, I, I gave me an opportunity to go home. I went straight to Molly's, prayed with Molly, had an opportunity, and that obviously changed our relationship. But the Lord was able to work that out. Now, one more story, uh, and again, this is just this, this is on the idea of being openly Christian to people. Uh, one of our students who came through our program, named Andrew, Andrew came through, had been an atheist, um, had a Christian background, but just kind of decided there was no God. Was going to uh, MSU, right, Daniel? And um, he said in all of his group of friends, there was one guy, that, only one friend he had that was a Christian. He knew he was a Christian because the guy was overtly Christian. I mean, he might have had others that he didn't know about. And the reality is some of us are just afraid to be Christian. But this guy was always like, how's it going today? Oh, God has blessed me today. You know, praise the Lord. Just the little things like that. That's just, he never got into a Bible study, preached a sermon to him, but he was always talking about God and always talking about Jesus. And he said this one situation came up where, where uh, Andrew said this, this um, his name is escaping me right now, his Christian friend. But his Christian friend, there was a, they had a mutual uh, couple that was mutual friends of theirs. Um, and he said a situation came up where they got in a fight, this couple. And he said the guy got 
mad at his girlfriend, and he raised his hand, and he was going to hit her. And he said his Christian friend walked up, and he just put his hand on his shoulder. And he said, you don't want to do that. And he said he watched his hand in anger. He said he watched the anger and everything just kind of got put his hand down. And Andrew said, when I saw that, he said, I knew there was a God. He knew the Christian friend. He'd always been overtly Christian, never preached a sermon. But in that moment, he said, I watched this transformation. Here this guy was going to hit the girl, and everything just changed when he put his hand on that man's shoulder. And that stuck with him, and that made the difference for him. And he ended up obviously becoming a Christian and becoming a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And uh, Pastor Daniel baptized him. So, uh, or you or David, he was baptized, yeah. And uh, East Lansing Church. So, God, don't be afraid to be Christian. The ultimate switch to spiritual things, there's no silver bullet way to do it. There's no, oh, this is the way you're going to do it. It's going to be easy and you're always going to feel comfortable. You may feel uncomfortable about it. But the reality is you've got to understand that you may be the channel Jesus is using to win a soul to bring somebody to the kingdom. You might be the only channel that he has. The Lord puts us in, in where we are for specific reasons. Don't be afraid to be the Christian that God's called you to be. You don't have to be preachy to people. Throw out those test seeds, and don't be ashamed of who you are, and the Lord will arrange things so that you will make those connections, and you'll be able to witness for him. Now, Pastor Wes is going to talk more about, he'll revisit some of this from the from the perspective of not just you know, starting initial contact, but just inviting people to Bible studies. And he's going to give you a lot of real good practical ways to do that. How many of you called anybody last night after our class yesterday and asked them if they would do you a favor? Okay, that was your, you had a break last night. Now tonight, I want to ask, how many of you, how many of you yesterday thought about calling somebody and thought of somebody to call? How many of you are willing to do that tonight? Okay, I'm going to be asking tomorrow. Pastor Tony did that. I'm doing this because Pastor Tony did this to me. How many years ago was that? 17 years ago. I still remember that. And I remember people getting Bible studies. It was a camp meeting. It was a Pennsylvania camp meeting. Well, we're going to get, you're going to leave here. I want you guys to leave here. With Bible studies, you can do it. So you're not just taking a class and saying, that was good. I want you leaving here and you're doing it. Amen? And Pastor West is going to give you, I mean, when you're done with Pastor West today and tomorrow, you're going to be, you're going to probably try to skip out of his class so you can go and make those calls. He's going to have you so fired up. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.